please welcome to the clips. Alright, what do we got here? Yeah. People from all over are coming to see him. Running with the wolf back, son of a gun. You're gonna keep up the hustle to the sun. Welcome to the show that punches you in the face with information. Welcome to season two, episode one of The Wolf's Den. My name is Mark Atobri, and today I am joined by Liam Fitzgerald and Reese Adams, two of our master coaches. Say hi, folks, for those listening on YouTube. Hey, how you going, guys? Hey, guys. Excellent. So today's topic for episode one, today's show, the topic is... What is the perfect diet for optimal body composition? What is the perfect diet for optimal body composition? Not just what is the perfect diet, but that optimal body composition is a very comp important component. So I'll just give you my uh, initial ideas and we obviously can discuss this because this is a, a very complex issue, a very complex topic to discuss. Uh, but firstly, I don't believe that we can have this conversation around the perfect diet for optimal body composition without talking about context versus content. Now, firstly, I should explain uh, to the listener and to the viewer what I mean by that. Context is, is the thing that I say. Now, if you go on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcast land, doesn't matter where you go, there are a lot of folks giving out information. They're information dispensers, as like I call them, in which they might give some, you know, uh, whatever advice it is. It might be go on a keto diet. It might be don't have carbs after four o'clock. It might be, you know, get to bed before 9 p.m. It might be an if it fits your macro message, whatever the case may be, that's the, con that's the content. But I don't really feel you can consider any content without also looking at the context it's been set in. For example, not having carbs after 4 p.m. might actually be the right advice for some people, but for others, it might be horrible advice because they might be training much later in the day and need a higher carbohydrate uh, load and consumption. So it's very, I think, impossible to divorce context versus content, especially when it comes to uh, our health and our optimal body composition, because it, there is a, a sharp edge of a, a razor that this does balance on. The other thing that I would say, though, there are absolute universals that we have to look at. And and I think those universals, for me anyway, would be quality food. Uh, I think quality food is absolutely essential. I'm not in the camp of if it fits your macros. I never will be because I have concern around our environment. I also have concern around the, the quality of food that people eat. And I think people are connected to food and, and food is just much more than just calories and macros. Uh, food it has a lot of meaning behind it. And obviously eating good food uh, does assimilate differently in your body than just eating any old macro that you can find. So I think that as a universal to begin with is probably where I would begin and also so then people's psychology of, of what they relate to food. But again, let's get into this. Liam, what are your initial thoughts on what is the perfect diet for optimal body composition? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there, Mark. I mean, if we look at the statistics um, of, say, a timeline of the last like 500 years, um, and we have a look at the last, say, like 200 years, we've got to look at like what's changed. Um, now, I think the problem is um, a lot of people aren't eating real food anymore. They're eating food-like products. Um, if we have a look at the statistics from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, um, that currently states that 67% of Australians are overweight or obese, um, with 27% or so um, children overweight or obese. And um, I think if we have a look at what's changed in the last 200 years, um, what has changed? The food. We're eating a lot more processed foods. We're eating a lot of uh, fake foods. We're not really eating food products. Food products. We're not really eating food. Food, real food. Um, food that's made in a lab and uh, more than it's grown. Correct, yeah. And um, I, I remember uh, one time when I walked in here, like a couple of years, uh, a long time ago, Mark said to me, look, 
was talking about anything that had been hunted, gathered, plucked or fished. And um, I think that really resonated with me back then when I, when I was walking around outside and I was seeing a lot of people um, overweight and I was thinking, you know, like, wow, what's going on really? Really, what is going on? Um, and when I, when I really look at what's changed, I think that, that is what's changed, the, the food products. So just on that, I, I, the way I, I frame it is that a healthy person will look good, but there are lots of people who look good that aren't healthy. Reese, what are your thoughts initially on this topic? Well, it's one of those things where we've got to look at where does food fit in? Because what we have is, <clears throat> like if we look at it from a physiological point of view, we have atoms. Atoms is what makes up basically everything around us. And then we have molecules, and then we have macromolecules. This is where food fits in. And then above this, we have our cells. So it's influencing our cells, what we eat. So if we're talking about the, the quality of food, 100% the food quality makes a difference because it's affecting our cells. And our cells affect our tissues, and our tissues affect our organs. And then from an organ level, we have us as an organism. So 100% food is uh, basically uh, the, the number one place to start if we're going to look at the health of an individual. Liam, you said something pretty good that I, I used to go through almost with every client that came in, and that was, you guys would have seen this a hundred times for me, but it's a football field analogy. And for those who haven't seen this, um, what I would do is I'll draw a, a big football field on the, the, the piece of paper for the client and say, you know, this is a football field. And what it represents is the start of human. So the start of the football field is the start of human history. And the end of the football field is present day 2019. And uh, if we walk from one end of the football field to the other, that represents the whole timeline. So how long has the human genome been on the planet? People will argue this. Some people say, you know, I've heard 25 million years, which a lot of people think that's just a ridiculous notion and homo sapiens simply haven't been on the planet that long. Some people say three to five million years. Look, we can call it a million years. It doesn't really matter the length exactly. But what does matter is if we look at that in the context of, of a spectrum and of a time rather, and we divide that football field up into let's say five equal parts, right? So we have one, uh, you know, um, let's call it 5 million, million years because it's just easier with numbers. You've got 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, right? The goal square for AFL football, that goal square, which is very small in comparison to the whole football field, that only represents the last 10,000 years. So when you think about that, the last 10,000 years from a nutritional perspective, what's happened? Well, we introduced grains into our diet and farming, agriculture, which was a very much needed uh, thing to happen for us to domesticate our food supply and have control over the seasons. So with that, there's everything has a double-edged sword. There was cons and, and there's pros to it. But even more interesting, if we just picked up one blade of grass from that football field and we looked at it in the context of 5 million years, just that one blade of grass, that represents the last 100 years of food evolution as I like to say, food uh, de-evolution, um, in the sense that we traded in food for food products. And, uh, you know, the rest of the time, that other, you know, 99% uh, of the football field, the other 5 million years, mostly we've been eating things that are hunted, fished, gathered and plucked. That was really cute. You guys both drank at the same time and put it down almost at the same time. That was really cute. But uh, back to my point, if, if you look at that, uh, the football, the blade of grass is only the last 100 years. What have we been doing? But if you look at it in this context, 
we do things now that are physiologically abnormal, but are socially normal because of our social constructs. When really, if you look at the way humans, I believe are meant to eat, a lot of what we do today or people out there do today is they do physiologically abnormal things, but uh, socially normal, if that makes sense. So we really need to get, get back to what is physiologically normal for our bodies. And I always relate it to like, you know, what is the factory operated setting or what is the factory operated battery for a particular appliance? And that's gonna sink. So for example, if you've got an iPhone, uh, you're not gonna put in a Samsung battery because even though it's a battery source, it can still power the iPhone. It's not gonna power the iPhone as well as what if you've got a proper iPhone battery, right? I'm not even sure they connect, but it's still a battery if you understand. So there are many foods that we can we can eat, um, you know, gluten, soy, commercialized uh, dairy. We can consume them as caloric foods that are gonna fuel us. It's still a battery source, but it's not gonna sync with our bodies like the food uh, of say yesteryear or, or of the last eras that, that's been whole, wholesomely grown, if that makes sense. Um, yes, yeah, so I personally believe that there are really no wrong foods, there are wrong portion sizes. Um, but of course, going back on that, there is typical foods that no one should eat like gluten because it affects the, the brain and the gut. Um, the way I approach- Well then there are wrong foods then. Uh, yeah, I think some people can get get away with eating gluten, but I, I, I personally wouldn't recommend it. Um, and the people that I see... Because uh, the problem with nutrition, right, is that there's really... Uh, people who teach nutrition, I would say, is really two-fold. There's two ends of the spectrum. One is it's all about hormones. The other one is it's all about calories, where I think what we, we try and get at is look, they're both right. You need to be concerned about calories and you also need to be concerned about what's happening from a hormonal level, but you're saying there's no wrong food. So there would therefore indicate that you're more on the side of calories in, calories out? Uh, yeah, well, I'm a, a physique coach. That's what I do. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I, like, I don't want to see anyone take out a whole range of uh, micronutrients. So like, uh, like things like fruit. I like to have fruit in my plans. Um, I like to get people eating as healthy as possible because... The way I eat is very much the way my clients eat. Um, if I did other ways, I would be, be lying to my clients. So I, I think the way, like, yeah, I, I agree that there are wrong foods that I wouldn't eat, but I'm not saying that everyone in the world uh, should not have good. What's, what's your thoughts on Wicked Sisters, Liam? Uh, Wicked, Wicked Sisters has some... What's Wicked Sisters? It's like a rice pudding. It's a milk-powdered dairy product um, <laughs> that I have post-workout sometimes, but... Everything in context? Look, if I was getting ready for a show or something and I'm trying to get to the, the leanest percent body fat that I have, would I be having Wicked Sisters? Absolutely not. Never heard of Wicked Sisters. You should try one. They'll be delicious. You'll are they glutinous the and they're dairy They're gluten-free, but they they contain dairy. Um, see, so I, can have the, the I can actually have gluten, but dairy is no good for me. Point proven. So, so let's get back to that, though. You said if you were competing, the topic of today is what is the perfect diet for body composition? And I mean, even that needs to be quantified is what do you mean by body composition? Are we talking 1% shredded lean and 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 I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on what are the differences between someone who just wants to look good versus someone who wants to be you know dick skin lean yeah okay well there's i mean a lot of things that go into this what i'm looking at with people is one um me personally i i prefer higher carbohydrates uh just for purely energy output um i'm slightly lower fats on and i utilize the calories with carbohydrates and i obviously set protein um, per body weight depending on goal. So, for example, if I was training an athlete, yes, they would have higher protein. If I was training a competitor, um, they would have around two grams per body weight. If I was training someone who's a complete beginner that's eating maybe one or two meals, I would be looking at that approach completely different to how I look at my competitors. Um, 
for, for example, I'm trying to build my people up, not, not bring them down, uh, if that makes sense. So one thing you said there, though, is, uh, is that you said that's what you like to do. Is that also what you like to do? When you say you like to do, are you saying you like to do that personally? Or are you saying you like to do that as a coach? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, well, absolutely. Which one? Well, no. Well, I lead by what I do. So right. what I do is what my clients do. Um, and I've been leading very few times. Uh, a lot of times I've got a lot of results from my clients. And um, the more structured I am, the more easier that I make it, the more simple that I make it, um, the better the results. So then the question I have for that is that, you know, it, let's introduce the idea of carb types versus fat types, right? Uh, is that just not applicable or, or people just use that as a, as a label to eat certain foods? Yeah, it's, I mean, just with my body type, I, I know that I like typical meso, endo kind. I, I gain weight very easy. I, I've got a, a decent amount of muscle. Um, I find that, I sit comfortably having a couple of fat meals, a couple of carb meals, and I can kind of maintain my own weight. Um, when I start to decrease the carbohydrates, I start to get a little bit leaner. But you're not marrying that exact, see, you said well, you're a mesotype, but a lot of your clients coming to you wouldn't necessarily be mesotypes. Um, I think the majority that I get w would be in between. Um, so you're saying it just so happens that there's, but you've had a lot of, like there was one transformation with an older guy uh, that you showed me yesterday that he was cried about. And, um, he wasn't, he'd never trained before. He, we would call him endo for sure, yeah, but yeah. he was endo, unathletic, never trained. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, this is, and this is where you were talking about before with your context. Um, this is all person dependent. So like I've had a, fem a couple of females um, leading up into competitions that were eating 3,000 plus odd calories and they were just burning it up. When me, for example, I'm on the other end of the description, I'm, I'm always pretty low. That's because um, you don't train hard enough. That's because I don't train hard enough. <laughs> Um, Must be his bench press technique. Yeah, my bench press is better than Mark's, by the way. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. So I think it's and, and this is the hard thing. Like people come into the gym um, for twelve weeks and they expect to get these awesome transformations, which we do deliver a lot. Um, the, the problem is we want to learn about their body. We want to uh, help them get the best results possible, knowing their body and educating them so they can uh, continue on getting the right results. Well just an idea on that and we can throw it to Reese in a sec but I, I always say and you've heard me say this heaps of times Reese, is that uh, once one diet doesn't fit all absolutely doesn't fit all but for an optimal diet you need to start somewhere so one diet does most of the time it starts you off it starts most people off as a general broad brush but from that it's not going to fit everyone you need to prune it almost like a gardener or add things to it and find out what it you know do they does this person need more carbs does this person need more fat oh you've done too much protein than the average person for whatever reason but reese what are your thoughts from what's been said what's been said um yeah definitely you're not gonna like there's not a, a diet that fits everyone and like you but, said it's gonna you're gonna have to mold it based on uh this is where you want to assess and when you're assessing then you can make those changes unlike liam though you do use carb types and fat types I do tend to... Because um, oh, I do, I do. Yeah, so, well, so some people might give higher fats, but, but it really depends on the type of people that you have coming to you. And um, I totally agree with Liam, how you approach a competitor is going to be very different to how you approach uh, the everyday person because uh, competitors, 
not expecting to sustain their result. Whereas um, when you get a lifestyle client, they are expecting to sustain well, Let's it. actually talk about that. A competitor is not expecting. So I actually have felt sometimes training competitors and you know you get them super lean and then they go out and they have whatever they have and we know what's going to happen from doing that. They're going to hold water. They're going to smooth over. They're going to uh, not be dick skin lean. Like it's just, it's fact. Uh, but I, I don't know, do you guys feel that sometimes people do actually expect that they're going to walk out and, and not, not, I suppose, I don't want to say ruin, because not really ruining their physiques, normalizing their physiques. Like they've worked so hard. I mean, both all of us have competed, worked so hard to get into that, you know, uh, single body fat digit. But then you have that one meal and boom, the dream's over kind of thing and that's just the way it is right well i think it depends on the person some people can sustain a, a much leaner level than than another person like janet for instance right i think she sustains but that's body time composition. as well correct She's so. oh, and it's also hard work too just hard to, work and, and and also sacrifice she she makes a lot of sacrifices yeah. that that like lamb over here with his wicked sisters he, he just in the, in the off season he, in the off season he doesn't just want to give that up yeah. which is totally fine but it's it's just accepting it is it is what it is. Yeah, I also experiment with myself as well. So I've tried, like the heaviest I've been is around 87 kilos. He experiments with himself. <laughs> the heaviest <laughs> I've been is 87 kilos. No, so not. I've, I've tried to bulk up pretty hard. Um, and then I've, I've kind of dieted back down to, you know, under 70 kilos, which is where I competed at last year. Uh, this year I'm staying at around 77 kilos. Um, what I have found for my goal is my body type, I, I actually do better when I'm actually trying to, increase the calories a little bit more um and the way i i periodize my nutrition is i actually do it in steps like almost like the calorie mountain that mark talks about um so for me myself i've found that you know a, a big off season where i do get a little bit soft and a little bit fluffy even though i personally don't like it as much um works better for me um, can you go into those steps land like what you're doing currently um yeah i just wanted to touch another point as well yep. um so like i bring up two of my old clients uh kim and, Sh and shannon um Shannon was a guy who was very, very overweight. Um, I dieted him down very hard. I educated him with the right tools. He walks around uh, his new self. He's only like four or five kilos up from stage weight. So, and so this let's is, just put in context. He was about 100 kilos. 100 and, he yeah, got down more, to 80 kilos. He got down to 80 kilos. He walks around at like 85 now. He's very, very yeah. lean. And I'm like, wow, this guy has actually He's sustained maintained. this very, very well. I thought there was going to be a little bit more rebounding. I thought he was going to... Um, take a couple of steps back because I dieted him very hard in a, a smaller amount of time than I'd normally like to. Yeah, 28 weeks, right? That, that was less 16. than 20, 16 yeah. weeks. Yeah. It was 28 kilos he lost. It's 28 kilos. That's why I keep thinking it's 28 yeah. weeks. Um, yeah. Kim, for example, um, her body type, uh, I would say, was more endo. She um, she now walks around a lot leaner as well. And this is these are people that I've educated the right way to eat and, and they've done that. Um, so I believe you can change someone's physique. But I think competitors that are getting around 3, 4, 10%, wherever they are, um, they're going to come back up to a healthy, or they should come back up to a healthy body fat at least. So then one of the questions, I suppose, in this discussion that we should actually probably talk about is what is optimal body composition? Like it's certainly not, if we look at things as a, as a bell curve, I feel at least, we think of things as a bell curve, you know, this is you know, not enough, this is optimal point, this is too much. If we look at the, and this is often, you know, in Instagram land, this isn't the way it's thought of, but it's the truth, is that, you know, you don't want to be overweight, you don't want to be fat, right? Like 28% body fat, whatever. You want that optimal range, and the optimal range is going to be dependent on person. You know, for me, it might be, let's say, 10%, 12%. 
for you it might be 11 percent. for you it might be eight percent right um as as uh, as what your optimal kind of look and health and and strength and all all round performance but let's say we go over that reese gets to you know five percent doing a a photo shoot you get to three percent i get to four percent we're on the other side of the bell curve right now where we're too lean to be healthy although people look at that as that is what is optimal body composition and i mean it's, it's almost a very um foolish premise because at one hand it is kind of as a photo you you would say that is optimal body composition but the reality of it's not actually optimal on on the side of health and this is the thing that people do is they divorce health from body composition where obviously if you're doing a comp like uh, ifbb wbff whatever it may be then you are going to divorce health from body composition and you kind of have to do that if you want to reach a high level but at the same time for folks walking around they need to realize that the photos they see on instagram uh, of people who've actually made that decision and divorced the two and what they need to do come back if they're going to have long lasting uh, longevity doing this as a, as a gym athlete so to speak or a gym junkie so to speak you need to marry health and body composition back so what would be uh, in your opinion a, a body fat percentage I know this is a loaded question but what is an is a optimal body fat percentage for someone who's looking more for optimal body composition yeah, I mean, again, this is person dependent, um, person dependent on their muscle mass, uh, their height, things like that. But I'd say for guys, maybe between 10 and 15, and I'd say girls, females around 15. I think, um, I think partially it depends on how they're feeling and also mm-hmm. what their bloods look like as well. Yeah. Like if someone is super lean and has impeccable bloods and they feel fantastic, who am I to tell them that that's not optimal? Yeah, and that's different body point. types. like. And you know what, good, good point, Reese, bringing up the bloods. Because that's what's the side of health that people often they don't they don't consider. Like it's it's actually what do your bloods look like? Because that is a, a very objective marker to say. And just you know for the purposes of this video, I do need to make mention when I do talk about bloods is that there's functional norms and there's doctor norms. And doctor norms are basically you go into your GP, you get your labs done, Sick and it's, it's it's based on what everyone else is. Who goes into doctors? Sick people, right? So uh, the aggregate score of everyone's bloods over you know the course of millennia has has you know gone down. The standard of health, the standard of what bloods actually should be, and you see this. So the example I always give is vitamin D. In 2011, when we I used to look at blood work, um, the, on the doctors' ranges, it would be 80 to 120 as the normal range of vitamin D. Now, 2019, if you go into the doctors here in Australia, well, number one, the doctor probably won't even allow you to do vitamin D unless you pay uh, and a little extra money. But it, it's classified on the blood work now is as long as you're above 50 IUs, you don't have a deficiency. Now, that might be true, but that is no way uh, in terms of what is optimal from a functional perspective of what blood work should be. Blood really... Um, your vitamin D should be up at around the, the at least, I mean, if I say 80 out loud, the functional medicine doctors will probably be like, dude, that's way too low. Yeah. Uh, it really probably needs to be around 120, 150. I know there's people like uh, Dr. Bruce uh, Jones, who I had on years back, he said to me around 150 to 200 Jeez. is what he would look at in terms of uh, what optimal. And, and Dr. Arvind Sali, who founded the National Institute of Integrative Medicine here in Melbourne, he said around... Uh, uh, 150 to 200 is what they look for with vitamin D as well. So, good point on the vitamin D. On the vitamin D. Yeah. Uh, was mine on the vitamin D or was yours on the vitamin D? Uh, mine was, was on the vitamin D. Your yours was on the bloods, <laughs> but you got me on a rant about I bloods. I did get you on a rant. So that, that's good to tie it back in. Yeah. 
I, um, I've been finding a lot of people have been uh, coming in um, because of Instagram, because of the, you know, the people that are staying ridiculously lean year round and um, some people just aren't meant to be that lean. And what's happening is they're under eating so much to an extent that they're, they're not in good shape. They're not lifting what they should be lifting. They're not moving like they should. Um, and when I look at their nutrition and I, and I try to educate them on it or help them, um, and I talk about, you know, reintroducing more foods or, you know, if they're on, say, 1,200 calories, um, there's no real way to go from there. Um, so, and I talk to them about bringing up their food and then I start to slowly bring it up, but their weight slowly starts to increase as well and they start to panic. Um, and, and this is what I think is a problem because when people under eat for so long, uh, you know, the body goes into survival mode. So things start to downregulate. Um, and then all of a sudden, how they used to feel, they kind of forget because they've been like this for so long and this is the new normal for them. And that's probably one of the, the hardest things. Because yeah, um, they'll say, that's a lot of food. Yes. So w- yeah. would we agree on that, that the optimal diet for body composition is actually a diet that is going to be almost a, a game of what people can get away with in the sense that if you can get, we talk about the calorie amounts and just to explain that, it's, it's the idea of uh, bringing people's calories up to the highest point where they maintain. So let's say for example, your calories at the moment might be at 2000, right? And you might be able to maintain your body fat is let's say uh, 15% and you're at 80 kilos. And if we can bring that up to say 3000 or 4000, let's just say 4000 in this case, and you're still you know, 15% body fat and you're still 80 kilos, then that is much more favorable than uh, someone who is 80 kilos to 15% body fat only eating 2000 calories. Because the analogy that I always like to give um, is that of a, a Prius or, or a smart car that, that doesn't really use much fuel at all. I think a Prius is probably the best way because it's, it's, it's very fuel efficient and you only have to fill up once every you know, so often, let's say in this case, once every two months, compared to a V12 Maserati. Well, we know the V12 Maserati uh, is gonna eat a lot more fuel than the, the Prius, but when it comes to human physiology, you wanna be the Maserati every day of the week from a, t- from a perspective of cellular turnover. We wanna be turning over uh, our, our bodies, essentially, our building parts as fast as possible, metabolically, than actually be um, like the Prius who's holding on, uh, and the turnover rate, the person who's holding on is the person, the, Alz- uh, the Alzheimer's clinic, the, the, the old folks, the old folks aren't, they're, they're the Prius, you wanna be the V8. If yeah. you can have, if you can consume 4,000 calories a day and still be 80 kilos and still only be 15% body fat, then the optimal body, from a perspective of what is optimal for body composition, that is gonna be far more optimal. And the reason why I would say is because from that 4,000, if we cut that down to let's say 3,800 or 3,700, right? You're gonna get a change. You'll probably get to 14% body fat just from you know slicing off 300 calories. But if you're 2,000 and you slice off, let's say you know 200 or even 400 calories in this case, you're not going to get the same result, yeah? So it, it's highly important that uh, I think when we're talking about this topic of what is, what is, what is the diet for optimal body composition, I think we all agree and we all say that it's a diet actually of people including more food than they think, not less food. And I don't know about you guys, and you're welcome to share your thoughts, but every time I've had a client for a, a physique change and doing a body transformation, is it's, they've always said to me, this is way more food than I thought. Like, are you sure I'm not going to get fat eating this? Yeah, I agree, Mark, because ultimately it's about performance as well, because if we're talking body composition, we're not just looking for weight loss. We're looking for optimal amount of uh, muscle and also um, we want fat loss. 
not just weight loss. So therefore we want our clients to eat as much as possible in order to, to perform and to recover as well. So optimal body composition means that they, they have to be able to train is that what you're and saying? And train well, train at their best, because ultimately we're trying to stress their physiology. We're trying to create a, a greater stress than it's had put on it before, because that's the stimulus that causes their bodies to change, isn't it? So when we, we talk about this topic, uh, what is the optimal diet for body <coughs> composition, then we're also saying that the optimal diet, and this is something interesting, that actually, it, it in a way, it has to be assumed that the optimal body composition, someone would be training for optimal body composition. You can't just say, I wanna be in optimal body composition without training. I think that's a fair, fair absolute that we can all agree on and say. I, I do agree, but I think that it depends on the individual, because someone's idea of optimal body composition might be the look of a runway model. That's so, true. So it, I think that, we're, we're generalizing in the sense that like we personally gravitate to, to more muscle because that's just how we live our lives. And that's typically the clientele that we deal with. We have had a runway model come in We've had before. a few runway models come yeah. in. Yeah, we've had a few runway models come in and, and we've, we've worked with them pretty well, I think. But their training is a little bit different. They still do yeah, lift weights, but... More gymnastics, body style, more mobility because they don't, they don't want to get big at all. James has actually had a few of them. Yeah, good old James. So the, the training volume that they deal with and, and also the intensity at which they do their training is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so Reese, how would you, uh, or Mark, both of you guys, how would you difference your plans from a, your starting plan from a competitor's to a, a general pop? How would you go about the difference between the two? Great, great question. Do you want to go first? Maybe, okay. maybe Mark will do general pop, you'll do competitors. Oh, but I think we, you need to, both. we need to do we both because you need to get the ideas of how we look at it differently. Okay. So for me, I always look at a diet where someone's going to comply and I don't necessarily treat a competitor differently than the way I would treat a, a general pop, to be, to be perfectly frank with you. And the reason is, is I want to see the level of compliance and what they're going to do. And usually a competitor, the only difference that I'm really dealing with is that the competitor has a, has a higher level of, of compliance. Yeah, let but me just I, recap for you there. Yeah. Mark said the... The diet that the client is most likely to stick to is the one that's going to work. Um, so there's no point if I write Reese a diet, um, and Reese is terrible following diets. Um, if he's not <laughs> following, unbelievable following <laughs> diets, <laughs> unbelievable. That couldn't, couldn't be, be any better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, like if my, if I give something to someone that they're absolutely not going to follow, and and some people are at a, a such a bad starting point that you know, to get their buy-in, to get some results, I might need to start off at the bottom of the pile. And if that means I'm only, uh, as Mark says, like working on one meal at a time, you know, I personally don't like doing that because I try to get the best result um, in, in, in the quickest amount of time. Yeah. But there are people that need to do that. Well, and you know, just on that, Liam, there's been a lot of people who talk about our training for the gen pop. Well, the truth is, you know, I've been PTing since 2006 and I've seen a fuckload of gen pop clients. And I know, if I know one thing, I know how to get results for gen pop clients. And I can tell you one thing is what I see overused today in personal training is macros and calories for gen pop clients. Yes, you can use it for personal trainers, you can use it for um, competitors, you can use it for people who are a little bit more interested in what they're doing. But as it says, the person at the office, they don't give a fuck about calories and macros and shit. So where I start in terms of to answer part of your question is where I always start is 
let's look at actually what you're doing. Can, can you keep for me a diet log? Uh, well, I don't even like to call it a diet log. I like to call it a self-reflection log. Can you keep for me a self-reflection log of actually what you're doing, what you're consuming, what time you wake up, when you go to the toilet, how you feel, how you relate to food. I want to know about you. And the more information I can know about you, the more I can guide and coach you. And if I don't know that information, then I'm throwing darts on a dartboard blindfolded like a blind man in a dark room. It's not going to work, right? I need the more information I can know about my client. And that's why I put so much emphasis early on uh, for, for new clients that this is their new lifestyle that I need to see, you know, at least three days. And usually I ask for another three days of what they're actually doing over the course of the week, just so I can understand, okay, this is how this person wakes up. This is how this person puts on their shoes. This is what this person does. Okay, now from this information, I might make one change that might change everything. And that one change might be, you know what? No more soft drink, let's say, for example. Instead of soft drink, you're going to start drinking green tea or cacao at night. And that works as an appetite suppressant. So they start to make more choices, not because, hey, look, I've given you this macro plan. You better fucking follow it. But rather that I'm now working on a level of behaviors of who they are as a person. And they start to see, you know, eating at that cafe seven days a week and getting all my meals, you know, someone to make for me isn't really what's going to get me my results. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm working with a, a gen pop, as you said, I'm usually going to start on the first meal, always, um, which is obviously breakfast, uh, because I believe that it sets people up for the course of the day. So if it's Gen Pop, I'm going to look at their breakfast. I'm going to work on their breakfast first. Uh, usually, I'm a big believer of high-protein breakfast. So it's going to be something like eggs. If they're willing to do meat, they can do meat. But I'm not absolute where they have to have a meat and nut breakfast or anything like this. Do you like calling it breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Mark? Uh, well, I'll let you explain. That's your point, right? So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, I, I still, you know, I, it's meal one, meal two, meal three. I get that in terms of working with people. But I think as humans, we have an affinity to these words. So, um, yeah, I still call it breakfast because uh, breakfast comes breaking from the, the idea of breaking the fast, right? Which you've been in for eight hours when you sleep. So, yeah, I mean, that's a start on meal one. Look, if it's a competitor, I'll look at what they're currently doing as well. That doesn't change. Uh, I, I do believe that nutrition is for body composition at least is all about contrast and what i mean by contrast is it's what are you doing now and what improvements can we make to make what you're doing to give you a better outcome and then you need to measure this is why you need to be doing skin folds on, on a regular basis on a weekly basis to ensure that the advice that you've given and the guidance that you've given is actually getting a result because you know I've, I've given people what i thought in my head is the right advice and then a week later two weeks later they haven't lost any weight well hang on this is not the right advice then. It's not because they're not going in the direction that we, we planned. So I'm not sure if that answers the complete question because it's kind of a, a big question to answer in terms of a gen pop competitor. But you know, you can quote me for saying this because I've said it to you, you both multiple times is that comp prep is really just glorified fat loss that you've done <laughs> for a little longer, you know? So someone wants to lose 12 kilos, they might do it in 12 weeks, you know, let's say for example, but to be on stage, they need to lose 17 kilos. So guess what? They do it for five more weeks and they might lose the five kilos to get them to that level. So yeah, to me, comp prep is glorified fat loss, having enough muscle on your frame, depending, depending again on the division, whether you're competing bikini, fitness, bodybuilding, whatever. Obviously, if it's bodybuilding, you've got to be a lot bigger, right? Mauricio? Yeah, no, I agree with that. But um, just to touch on um, from a meals perspective, what I find is breakfast, lunch, dinner, people tend to have a certain connotation of what breakfast should look like, um, what lunch should look like, what dinner should Kellogg's look like. Kellogg's cornflakes. Yeah, so I try to get them out of that frame of mind and just say, look, this is your first meal because people often say to me, what, what do you have for breakfast? And in my head, it's like, well, 
that's meal one. So it's not really that different from meal two, meal three. They're all quite similar in the sense that I'm gonna, you know, have some protein with, with all my meals. Um, and then the fats and carbs is gonna divvy up depending on like what I'm trying to achieve. But let's be real, he's a different human though. Yeah, I don't think everyone can follow, like, your meals are horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. Just it out horrendous. horrendous. Your meals are horrendous. You will blend chicken, put some vegetables in there and eat it if you're short on time. Um, the average press isn't going to do that. So, I mean... The average Mark won't do that. Well, you definitely won't do, won't do that. Mark is very picky on his food as well. I'm very picky. Um, yeah. I, so Have you ever blended a meal before, Liam? Uh, no, I don't think I could do that. I did it when I had my wisdom teeth out as well. Worked it. What, what does it actually taste like blending your food? So, so we've got to describe this, right? So, Reese, you have what six meals a day? Five. Five meals a day, and, and they usually quiet after one of them. They, they usually look like white rice, one hundred eighty grams of white, white rice. rice. Yeah, it's white rice. Frozen veggies, a bit of mint. Um, well, I do raw rice, and it's six hundred and sixty over three days. Six hundred and sixty raw rice over three days, so and then, and then you don't weigh your veggies; you just put a bit of frozen veg in. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. and then the meats usually mince, chicken mince, chicken mince or beef mince, and then and then. You and then you have that four times a day? Correct. And then what's the other meal? He has the rice uh, cakes and jam. Tell us about is that. that. Is that a meal? Is the rice no, cakes and jam a meal? No, they kind of like slot in depending on where I'm training. So I'll have the rice cakes with a meal um, and then I'll put some jam and some peanut butter on them before I train. So, so you have the rice, the mince and the veggies five times a day? No, the rice, mince and veggies is four times a day. Yeah. And then the fifth meal is usually two eggs. Um, and I chuck a, a heap of fruit in there, two, 220 grams of banana, 175 grams of pineapple, 100 grams of mango, 75 grams of blueberries, 26 grams of maple syrup. Um, 26 grams of maple syrup, did you yeah. just say? It's yeah. a very odd number. It's just what it worked out to be. Why not 65 grams? Macros. Just get it in there, mate. Macros. And then I'll put some cinnamon in there because, you know, glucose, glucose <laughs> control, and then I'll blend it up. It's not a thing. You blend that up. What does it taste yeah, like? It, like a that smoothie. That would be pretty nice. That fruit. Um, oh, you, you mix some protein with the fruit. Yeah, the you, eggs. They're just raw eggs. They just go in there. Yeah, it get a bit, make that. it a bit thick, right? It's not to make it thick. It's well, just you're because... You're making it thick. You just put avocado in It's just because macros. It fits the macros. It fits the macros. Does it actually <laughs> taste nice or does it taste real weird? No, it actually tastes delicious. Yeah. People do put eggs, raw eggs in smoothies. As soon as you put the in there. I've got a question though. How long have you been doing... So, so just for the viewer, right? I'm a very much like, I'm very picky about what I eat. I'm very much into like, you know, it has to be organic and has to be cooked for this amount of hours and blah, 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 blah. Reese is the opposite of that. He's just like pure macros. So if the cardboard had the right macros in it, he would eat the cardboard. Um, but thankfully that the cardboard doesn't have the macros, so he doesn't eat it. But if you look at Reese's food- You can't calculate the macros. Literally, it's white, it's disgusting. It's in Chinese containers. It's white rice. It's That's typical probably bodybuilding. Like it's four or five days old. Um, the, the chicken, <laughs> oh, I don't know how you cook it, but it's, I hate frozen vegetables, it. hate frozen vegetables. They taste well, the I do, the, I do the beef disgusting. on an electric fry pan and then I do the chicken in a, a fry pan on the, on the stove. And, and so, but how long have you been following this diet? Cause it just looks to me tasteless. No, nah, he changes oh, probably, his calories. Probably three, four months, but I've just been adding in extra food. Yeah. So he's been building his calories up. And, and he, to answer your question before about what does the blended food taste like? It tastes like wheat bigs the other day. <laughs> So I, had, I just recently had tonsillitis, so I couldn't swallow. So getting my food in through blending, it was the best option because- This is a man dedicated to his macros. Have you tried the gluten-free wheat bix? This is a man dedicated to his macros. Eventually it got the better of me and I couldn't actually get all my food in. Um, and the result of that was obviously by the end of the week, I lost 2.8 kilos, <gasps> which, is, which is frustrating because it took me 19 weeks to put on one and a half kilos. So now I'm in a negative and I'm trying to come back from that. Wow. Just need to train harder. 
yeah, but at the moment, just getting the food in is... So, so with your macro plan, because this is also a very good conversation in terms of the topic, right? Uh, what is the, the perfect diet body composition? I've said that like seven times during this interview. Uh, but anyway, that's what it's about. It's what it's about. I've got to come back to it. I've got to, I've got to come back to the interview. Um, just uh, just make sure you, you talk into that, Reese, because uh, we're getting a cue from the, the, the manager that we're not talking into the, the audio enough. But But back to it. You've got these people who are certainly like you. So there's people, I feel like we've got quite a, a good balance on, on, the, on the panel today in that you've got people like me who just, you know, they want more of a behavioral approach to food and what are the foods that I should be eating and they want to enjoy their food. Whereas they've got people like you, which just computers and probably were robots in former lives or maybe in your next life, you will be an Excel document. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what an aspiration. <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's an improvement. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> the, the point that I'm getting at is, is to me, it just seems so bland and boring and tasteless. Wait, and, where am I? Oh, I think you're, you're a little bit of a mix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I take what's good out of both of you guys and put it into my own formula, really. Well, I personally see myself as being objective, Mark, because it's like uh, by eating this, where is it going to take me? And that's what drives me to but, eat. But my actual eat. question was, like, let's say, for example, you wanted to um, pretty up your food, make it a little bit more delicious, or you wanted something different, like you're going, does that go into the macro plan? Well, I think he could do that. I think it's more of a time thing because I always buy organic meats. I didn't um, know he had to answer for you. No, I'm sticking up for <laughs> Thank it. Thank you, Liam. Go for it. Like, <laughs> I always buy organic meats. He chooses not to. So he could make better foods if he spent more time on it. I but get 5% it's not, beef. Yeah, it's not, neat, it's, not like, it's not a priority for 5% it. beef? You mean your lean bins is 5% beef? It's 5% it's, uh, fat. fat. Oh, 5% fat. Because yeah, yeah. in the chicken, in the minces, you're going to get your 5%, your 10%, and yes. your regular. Regular, from what I've seen, is about 17 grams. That's a big jump. So that would mean I'd have to have less additional fats that I could add in. Yeah. I personally find that a lot of people overeat fats. Um, you know, they're in those healthy treats, you know, the cashew butter. Hashtag keto. Hashtag keto. Um, yeah, I find a lot of people overeat their fats. When they, when they start to calculate or write down what they're actually eating, um, they, tend to be, they tend to realize that they are overeating fats a lot. Now, fat's very dense calorie and it adds up very quickly. Um, the, the way I kind of structure my meal plans is I actually don't get them, this is something that I always do, I actually don't, add coconut oil or olive oil or anything to the pan, I actually spray it with coconut oil because I don't know how much I'm getting and I like to keep it pretty consistent throughout and that's the way that I've found yeah. best. The tricky thing that. is when you do cook in, in fats, sometimes it can be hard to track because it stays in the pan. Correct. And I don't know anyone that licks the pan. <laughs> Yet. I'll put it word. Yeah. Um, so if, say, I came to you, Reese, um, 15% body fat, I want to get to, Just to a, five. Um, you want to get to five? I want to get to five. Okay. I want to get to, I want to, get to shredded. I want to get to shredded, okay. shredded. I'm going, I'm going to the Arnold Classic. Um, how would you, in a rough way, yeah. periodize my food and what would you give me? Yeah, how well, would you set it out for me? Like, like we keep talking about the, the calorie mountain, as Mark is dubbed. Um, basically, start, I'd look at where you're currently at. Um, you'd probably be under eating. Um, and then I'd look at increasing your food over time until we get up to the point where you start to, for lack of a better word, tip over, um, spill over. Spill over, come smooth. And then, and then we'd look at um, adjusting from there um, and technically coming back down the mountain, um, obviously including refeeds and things like that to, to make sure that you're able to perform at the level that you need to. Um, but 
um, yeah, definitely um, adjusting the calories up and down throughout that process. Yep. Do you do measurements weekly or? Yeah, I love to do measurements weekly. I used to do it um, when I first started monthly, uh, way too long. A lot can happen in that time. Um, and then, happen. And then um, the problem with having a long time span where things can happen is the, the plan may have worked and it may work, but it's a case of that client's got a bit distracted, they may have had a meal out, um, and now that plan appears, it's a false negative, it appears that it hasn't worked. Um, so by checking in more frequently, I found that um, it's a lot uh, more accurate and it's easier for the client to stick to it. They're like, you mean I just need to stick to this for seven days? It's, it's a much more achievable chunk. It's kind of like you can't eat an elephant in one bite. You need to chunk it, so it makes it a lot more achievable for the client. Have you ever eaten an elephant? <laughs> Sorry, continue. Was that, was that a joke, Mark? That yeah, was. It was a bad one. <laughs> I didn't get it. Like you said, you, have you, ever, you can't eat an elephant. It's like, it's such a, I don't know, it's one of those sayings. It's, it's like, what do you want to have your cake and eat it too? Well, what else would I do with cake apart from eat it? What do you want me to throw it at you? They can throw it at you, but sure, why not? You know what I mean? Like, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. Well, no shit, Sherlock. But have you ever eaten an elephant? No, you haven't. So anyway. That's a fair statement. Yeah, it is a fair statement. I just like to examine where these things come from. But anyway, as, as we were saying, does that answer your, your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. I like what you said there, Reese. Um, I think with my starting points, when, when people come in to see me, I, I either, if they're for fat loss and they have been overeating, they've got quite a lot of body fat, I'll, I'll start them at about minus 30%. And they're, they're on to us. They're on to you. They're on they're to coming me. for you. They're coming. Um, I start them at minus 30%. So I start them in a bit of a, bit of a deficit. For most other, other people, I actually try to get them to baseline as quick as possible. Um, do you do so, anything so different? So say that again, right? So for, who are you starting in at a 30% deficit? Uh, for the guys that are quite overweight, um, I mean, this is person dependent. This is not what I always do. I, I really, I try to collect as much data and I use- So, so define, define quite overweight just to get some kind of- Yeah, what kind uh, of body fat are we talking? We're talking 25. Okay, so, so 20 plus yeah. so someone who's quite big so so that kind of seems a little bit counterintuitive to me because for the people who are quite quite overweight um often we've had a few examples here uh i think helen was a great example that tyler did um she was at 100 kilos and you know she's now 60 kilos but she was under eating not sleeping very much so there's a lot of lifestyle issues that were getting in her way as well yeah. so you, you wouldn't necessarily start something like that at, no at no this is what i mean this is not everyone and this so is about the over, collecting the overweight data. people who are, who are um, really overeating and they're overeating yes so it's overweight and overeating not just overweight yes yeah, so, so the diet that they bring to you is you know pizzas uh, burger and, for breakfast yeah. and pizza like, for quite, lunch quite and, high food um, so I'll start them a little bit lower and I'll, I'll, I'll basically start working on their uh, sleep, stress and digestion. Uh, for my people that really want a good result, I try and get them to baseline as quick as possible. Um, I mean, this all, all depends on the individual, but it's what really works for me. For me, it's about establishing the starting point and I, I kind of work out a rough baseline. I, I use very simple foods. Um, I always use the same amounts and I, I basically vary it um, and I work out their protein and I kind of... So how do you define on baseline? How do you get to your baseline? Yeah, how do you um, sort of calculate these calories, should I say? Um, well, I use basically the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet's where the magic happens. Um, basically, Is what this is the Liam Fitzgerald spreadsheet? Uh, you've got it as well. Um, it's, <laughs> I don't have it. It's one that we've kind of worked on over the years, I guess. Well, you don't like macros, though. Oh. It's just, for me, it's a good starting point. I, I don't, yeah. it's not... Um, I, like, I like to see people's food logs. 
like yeah, to see what they're actually correct. doing. And if someone's eating two meals, look, it's they're not yeah. going to be anywhere near baseline. They're not going to be anywhere near thirty percent, uh, minus thirty percent. So this yeah, is all so dependent. For them, but, it's actually an increase in food. But this is my ideal. Um, so where was I? Well, how do you get, how do you figure out the baseline? Yeah, yeah. so I, I so basically use a formula, um, and I basically now I use two formulas, and I get the average. Um, I incalculate their physical activity levels, which is quite low for some people, and I think is a big part of why people can't uh, drop body fat in the first place. Because what happens is we get up, we we sit on the tram, or we drive to work, we sit at a desk all day, then we go home, we watch TV, and then we go to bed. Um, and when, when I get people to try and increase the steps, and I'm like, hey, look, just do 5,000 steps. They're like, whoa, You're big was... on the steps. Yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's quite a good tool. And um, well, I mean, this depends on the person. Um, if they're strong as hell, do they need to really do steps? Probably not. Um, but for- If I was your client, would I be doing steps? You probably need to do a few, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, yeah, I wouldn't, like, this- I, I think steps is something that it's another tool. Um, so to say it needs to be used for everyone, I think some people can get away with it. I've yeah. got a guy at the moment um, and he does four or 5,000 steps, but he's getting leaner. Yeah. So it's, it's a tool I haven't had to use. Yeah. Um, he's and getting ready for a comp. If I, if I need to increase it, I've got plenty of room to move now. And I'll use Gina, for example, one of my uh, clients who won a comp. Um, I was trying to get her to do the lowest volume. Like she was doing four to six reps. She wasn't entirely strong, but she would just get shredded off anything. And I'm like, no, we want to try and gain a little bit of muscle. I was trying to get her fatter into the comp. I was trying to get her bigger. I was trying to get. I was actually getting her to try and put on weight. So I was trying to get her to do the least amount possible. I was trying to get her to eat the most. But uh, again, this is that's not the average average day person. Because with Gina, for instance, um, if she was to do more steps, she'd have to eat more. And uh, she just couldn't. She got up to three thousand calories. Three thousand three hundred. She was having like sixty five grams of maple syrup in a post workout meal with rice and. I was like checking in with her daily going, can we squeeze a little bit more in? She'd be like, oh, I'm pretty full. I don't know. Like, I'd be like, let's try and do it anyway. Let's just. Yeah, you have to be was, creative when it gets like that. Yeah. More and, liquids and things yes. like that. Yeah. It's almost where do you go? Correct. You go and to the like, liquids. And they're the best types. And I remember an old the client easiest. of mine, uh, John, um, he was a true ectomorph. He was shredded to the bone. Like people wish they had his body year round. Um, kind of like uh, Adrian's client as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember him. He would actually, I'd check his weight in the morning and um, I'd check it at night and it, it dropped like three kilos overnight or two kilos overnight. And I was like, how is this guy dropping two kilos overnight? And then you get the freaks that are dropping weight as the day goes on. Yeah. And I was like, why is this guy? Yeah, hundred percent. And I was like, this guy, how is he dropping weight? He was on 4,400 calories, like ridiculous amount of food. And this is an uncomfortable amount of food. Did John Gee competed? Nah, he was riding his bike. I remember, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have been, he would have done so well in uh, fitness, um, which is what we're going for. Yeah, he was shredded. I remember this guy. Um, So he was eating. Shout out to John if you're watching. Yeah. He was eating, um, yeah, definitely come (laughs) back. We need you (laughs) to win. Um, Yeah, he was eating 4,000 calories. I built him up to 5,000 and. He, he was still dropping weight. I'd take his weight. I don't normally take weight at night. And I was taking it at night and it was like 77.8. And then he'd wake up at 75. And I was like, God damn it. This guy's eating an uncomfortable amount of food. And I've eaten 5,000 calories before. And I was, I couldn't even move. I was it's falling asleep. I was feeling sick. It was very uncomfortable. This guy was just chomping it down <laughs> and dropping weight. And I was going like, my God. And I ended up having to give him uh, Peptor Pro at night, which is like a casein. Yeah. So he wouldn't lose weight at night 
And I was just thinking, like, how does this guy drop this weight? And this is what I mean about everyone's case is uh, context. Yes. The, the exciting what I said at the start. It's, you have to put that content context in in place of who are you actually advising? Correct. Uh, what are they actually doing? Uh, because you can't you can't divorce the two. You can't divorce context from contents. Because the example you gave for John, for example, wouldn't work for me. No. It wouldn't work for it wouldn't work for ninety nine percent of people. No. So you have to realise that you know you you don't get protein powders at night because you wake up fatter, fatty. Yeah, and um, I, I agree with what you said about the, the the foundations, Mark. Because the way I start my nutrition consults now, they're they're really the same. Um, for a competitor, for a fat loss client for someone who needs to rebuild themselves up um it's really the same and it's built off those foundations well i think this is a good place to have a break we'll be back thank you gentlemen we'll be back after this quick message from our sponsors are you a personal trainer looking to maximize their career and profits Check out the folks at personaltrainermentoring.com who have sponsored this show. They have put together a website full of resources. You can download one of them today. It's a $500 value pack completely free as a watcher of the Wolf's Den. It includes uh, three eBooks and an e-course on how to screen and assess your clients. So check them out. We also have some fantastic certification programs. The one they have just released is Sales Mastery for Personal Trainers. So head over to personaltrainermentoring.com and get your free gift pack today. Welcome back to the Wolf Stand. Let's get back into it, Liam. We, uh, Reese over there has been in the toilet for probably- 45 last... minutes. Yeah. How, did the, how did the diarrhea go, Reese? Even <laughs> <laughs> well, that diarrhea is just like straight out. Are <laughs> <laughs> you gonna add that in? Oh, oh well, we've already just All started, right. so let's get straight into it. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> What, um, so lads, what are your thoughts on MyFitnessPal? Because what I've seen is like, it's a very good tool, uh, but people tend to under or over calculate things. There's and just then, so many options, isn't there? Yeah. So what are your thoughts about it? Well, you use it? My, I definitely do use it, but I also educate my clients that there is a lot of options to pick from. Like you could type in Apple, for instance, and there's five to 10 different um, ones that you can choose of an apple. Obviously, you've got different types of apples as well. Yeah. So, and, and on that topic as well, like say, banana goes through different stages of ripeness. So, the the banana will actually change calorie uh, uh, density. So there will be different calories throughout the ripe age of a banana. So people that might be a uh, fifty to one hundred calories. That could throw someone's plan out the window if you're just making small changes uh, incrementally. Yes. Mm. So this is where I guess being consistent in your choice, even if you're making the wrong choice, being consistent in that, but also just being mindful that you do want to um, cross-reference and make sure you are picking the right option uh, when you're clicking on My Fitness Pal and choosing that, that making that choice with the, the, the I guess you could say the, uh, the food uh, icon, uh, not icon. What what would you call it, Liam? I'm not too sure what you're saying. <laughs> the food, when you're selecting the, the, the food, food tab, you, the, the food, food tab, tab. you got to yeah, pick yeah, the okay. same so one each time. You so always you're use say the same beef I fill it or yeah, chicken yes. or and yeah. so yeah. forth. Yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah, there's yeah. consistency in, in what, yeah. what you're picking. Yeah. Yeah. 
I go one step forward with my plans. I try and make everything as simple as possible. So say for carbs, for example, I'll work out my foods in 50 or 30 gram serves, 30 grams or 20 grams of fruit, 50 grams of carbs. So what that might look like is uh, roughly estimated 65 grams of rice. So when I give that, it's- Is that raw cooked rice though? I do mine in all in raw. Okay. Um, so the client knows what's kind of coming. It's 65 raw or, and they can basically build on that. So there's no new surprises. I'm not giving like- What do you do if that's too big a surf for a client? Um, I will have it, but most of the people that I've seen can, can consume it. Um, it works out to be basically 180 grams cooked. Most people can eat that in one meal. If you look at food volume, it's not like 900 grams of food volume. It's like 300, 400 with their protein, veg, whatever. Uh, fats so it's not a they can definitely consume that much amount um, that way everything doesn't really change so I set my protein I'll particularly leave it there for like 16 weeks um, and I'll change it if I need to but from there on it really stays the same so when I update my plans um, it'll stay the same with there um, throughout the whole way and I'll just be changing certain amounts does that make sense yeah so would you say that fats and, and carbs are going to change the most Yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Jeez. Can't even see you anymore. This is so close. So close. Do I have to restart that? No. Uh, you, just, you just wanted to be featured in, in the podcast, that's all. For those not watching on YouTube, so do make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, if those who are not, not watching on YouTube, we just had our videographer walk into to fix Liam's t- talking I knew he mouth. was he was throwing me a bit because yeah, I knew he was I was like trying to look in my eyes and I was just in. seeing him get closer to him and I was so, like so question for you two um, is there is there a way because you guys kind of have a similar we all have a similar method of doing things but at the same time it's also quite different um, in terms of you two like do you see similarities in what you do or are you very both different in terms of how you do things um, I think we're similar. Um, I think I try and get people to baseline quicker than what Reese does. Reese will take the star approach and build them up. Um, I, I think that's one of the main differences. Um, I like to use, I like to start my clients on low FODMAP um, and because I like to work out what works and what doesn't work and that's a good way for me to do it. That is um, a good way to do it. So mm. I start them off at the bare minimum then I basically build them up with food choices and, and when they are getting the results and I've got the buy-in and, I, and I've got a bit of respect in their training hard and if they want to add a few things in at the right time they're more than welcome to um and it works out better for me as well because if i've only got 12 weeks to get a certain result look i'm not going to be wasting time figuring out if they can eat dairy if they can consume burgers or whatnot i'm bringing them back to uh, at the start anything they've been hunted gathered plucked or fished and i'm building on it from there um, so what I see with that, by the way, is just a real marriage of what I said again at the start, which is the two sides of the fence of people saying it's all about calories, it's all about hormones. It's actually, well, it's all about both. Correct. Let's, yeah, let's use a FODMAP diet and, and let's get your macros and calories done, calculated correctly so that we've ticked box. Yes, you're having the right macros and calories and tick box. We're not inflaming any shit and uh, make sure we keep it that way. Yeah, um, with that as well, like I'm not saying that low FODMAP should be everyone's diet. Like, but it's a start of... It's, it's, a, it's, it's a great it's start for someone who needs point. to detox or, and, or and something like that. And are you like careful that. with the fruits when you're, you're starting that low FODMAP? Um, yeah, yeah, I am. Like, um, is a mushroom bad? Potentially not, no. Um, are, are peas bad? Well, depending on digestion, they can be. Corn, another one, yes. Um, if you look at like elimination diets, like corn and things like that are in typical elimination diets. So I, I basically start them right back and, and build on them from there. Um, 
typically I don't give carbs in the morning. Um, I really like that because you start with what you know and then you draw out to what you don't correct. know. Correct, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's a time thing, thing for me. I, I like to work with the person, but I, I also like to see what works. And and like why, why I don't like my fitness power or things like that is because if I um, give someone a plan and it's very consistent and they consistently stick to it for one to two weeks, then I know how their body's responded. I can gather things like... Um, what's worked so if they've got more energy they've got more their sleep's better they're feeling better at work they're not having that drop um whereas if they're eating whatever they want um what is working and what's not working how do i draw the line on okay meal one's good is meal one good because i actually don't know because it's been all over the place so that's where i like to keep my foods pretty consistent um and i just feel like i get better buying so what what carbs are, are you drawing clients to initially on the fodmap plan um so I will I will send them a list and I will send them I will I send them the low FODMAP uh, list and I say let's this is what we're starting on it's very basic I want to know what works for you so I want you to take notes on any foods that what are the basic carbs is it like rice are you yeah I, I use rice I use certain potatoes I use sweet potatoes um, even though sweet potatoes is a FODMAP yeah I the thing is. Um, with digestion, I find that it's not often the right foods that they're eating or wrong foods. It's normally something else. Um, Such as? Dairy, gluten. I see. Uh, harder to digest just products. Um, and if, if the- Too much protein. Yeah, and if yeah. I give them say sweet potato, um, which I really like sweet potato, so I give a lot of sweet potato, um, and that's not working with them when everything else has been consistent, that's a really easy fix. Because guess what? I just removed the sweet potato. I put something else in. Um, generally, my starters are uh, rice. I prefer red rice, black rice. Um, I use a bit of brown, but a lot of people can't handle it. Sometimes uh, white rice as well. I use a bit of quinoa, and these are all in about 50 gram serves. Um, I also do like to chuck fruits in 50 as well. grams macro, that is, yeah? Yes. Um, I also do like to use fruits because me personally... Um, I find that the more starchy potatoes, rice that I eat, things like that, I find it gets a little bit boring. Um, and I don't want to be taking out any food groups if I don't have to, because I find there is a lot of benefits to pineapples, berries um, at the right times. Yeah, and I think it's, it is it is about building on those things, on the, the basic principles. Now, Reese, what do you do? Is something different as a starting point to that? No, I'm, I'm the same as Liam. I keep it uh, very simple. And at the end of the day, it does come back to consistency because if they're not consistent, then it's very hard to make a change, like you said before, uh, about the, the blindfold. So it's if they keep changing things and, and not being consistent, it's like blindfolding me. Well, Liam wanted me to ask, why is it that he gets better transformations than you? If <laughs> you guys are basically doing the same thing. You said that before, That right? is You're true. Like, Hang well, on, we're doing the same well, thing. Well, I did actually, yes. Um, so Reese, why is that? <laughs> that? That's debatable, and um, I think that uh, sometimes I get the best transformations. Yeah, I, I did. I, I agree with that. My, I put it up on my YouTube, my YouTube, my Instagram the other day. You saw it. You came to me. You're like, man, they're pretty good. Yeah, but the thing was, it was only like 15. I've got at oh, least 35. Oh, oh, okay, right. 35, 35. I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, I want to see 35. Transformations on your Instagram. And, and I could pull out thirty-five. Monday. I could pull out thirty-five. I'm also. Just FYI. I've also been here the least. I want to see that, Liam. You've been here the least. You've been like least. four or five years. Man, you, you're the creator. You've been here since day one. I came in like a couple of years later. 
So you guys should have more transformation. You just got beginner's luck, my friend. He just doesn't like a challenge. Hey. Why don't we, let's not live in the past. Let's live in the present. Let's start from now and let's go for it. Let's have a bit of a competition. Let's see who can do do this. Sure. So what what are we we calling to our our podcast listeners to uh, reach out to me, Liam and Reese, uh, email info at enterprisefitness.com.au. And um, yeah, let us know if you want to be guinea pigs in our ploy to take on each other and we can use your, your, your fat loss like as, uh, as our trophies of our superiority. And when I should say our superiority, what I really mean is my superiority of winning and beating these two guys. So reach out, info at enterprisefitness.com.au and uh, or reach out to us too on, the, on the socials if you're, you're watching this. How many leave people a comment. Do we need? Leave a comment and say, hey, pick me. I want to I be on How Team Reese. I want to be on Team Mark and Team Liam. That actually be a good indicator to see from let's this conversation. Let's find triplets and let's see, just see who can get the see, best results. See who wants so to be on each other's teams. Yeah, I think three each is probably a good way to go, like nine people. This is like war to me. I've got the hard hat on and I'm ready to go. Like, let's just. You need a hard hat with that, like, affair. Yeah, you would. I've got a beard to protect me. We're well protected. Yeah. While yeah. it lasts. Like, I think I've got another year or two before. But you know what will end up happening? Reese will come to me and you and be like, look, I'm having these issues with these things. Can you help me out? Like, <laughs> uh, we'll help him and yeah. he'll end up beating us. Yeah. What do you do, Reese? Do you, when you structure someone's nutrition, do you give them a training day and a non training day? Or or do you just give them a, a day and you're like run with it or or what? I've done both. Um, in the past, I, I d- definitely did uh, more training and non-training. Um, but sometimes what I find for most people is it is about compliance. So for some people, just giving them the same food every day uh, can, can work really well. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where you don't need to make it complex until it needs to be. So mm. like why, why try to make it complicated from the beginning? I know you like to keep it very structured. Um, do you get your clients to rotate foods? Like, obviously keep them very consistent. Like there's, there's white proteins, there's fish. Do you get them always eating the same thing or do you try and get them to have as much variance as possible? Like spices, protein, I think veg? that there's definitely merit in uh, more variety and I definitely uh, encourage uh, variety, but at the same time, uh, that person with that variety may be consistent, if that makes sense. Like for myself personally, um, I, I like rice and rice sits well for me. So uh, I tend to have a lot Happy of rice. Days. Yeah, so um, it's kind cooker. of one of those things where uh, like, unless it's broken, why, why try fix it? Yeah. So if, if someone's getting results, they're happy, uh, I'm not gonna try and you know, change it on them and, and make it more complicated again than it needs to be. Mm. Right. What are you? Favourite supplements at the moment for fat loss? The fundamentals. Definitely starting with, uh, obviously, magnesium, uh, multi, and uh, fish oil is usually my go-to, or or curcumin. Um, And then typically it depends on their digestion and their sleep, so you might look at things for digestion and sleep depending on how they're going, because ultimately if they're not sleeping, they're not going to be recovering that well. So absolutely and if they're not um assimilating their food then that's going to affect their their recovery also and their and their performance so making sure they're digesting their food you liam uh, yeah i i think like a lot of people look at supplements as like pre-workouts protein mm. powders and well i would and say pre- supplements are not pre-workouts protein powders or fat burners yeah what so- they are is vitamins minerals amino acids yeah i think for the best result possible we're not i'm not looking at pre-workouts i'm looking how i can optimize their sleep stress and digestion like reese said um but these supplements aren't just a magic pill and supplement is 
they are for to supplement good nutrition. Mm. Um, so I think like they can be utilized better to get more nutrients in and, and, and do things like that. Well, it depends what's going on as well. Correct. You know, is it their yeah. digestion? So their proteolytic enzymes can work very, very well. Is it their sleep? You know, you give them something to help wind down at night, but you really yeah. got to pinpoint what is the, the missing link in yeah. the armor to then yeah. supplement with. Yeah, that's really yeah. asleep back staying asleep. Yeah, too, correct. Uh, yeah. Anxiety, because then things like, you know, if it's mental stuff, and, you know, inositol, 5-HCPDs. Yeah. Or is it just the fact that their partner snores at night and wakes them up? Well, that could be an issue too. Does maybe. your partner snore? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brendan, that's his partner. Yes. Anyway, we love Brendan. If you're watching Brendan, you uh, should come say hi. But anyway, let's get into my one of my favorite things to do, which is play a game. I feel like there should be music for this going ding, 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 ding. And maybe our producer will give us some music for this segment. Maybe. Let's see. So um, we are going to play the one word game. And if you haven't watched this show before, the one word game is where we say a word and we say the first thing that comes to mind. Now that there's three of us, uh, I will start. I will say a word and Reese will say something. Liam will say something. Then Liam will say a word, and Reese and I will say something, and then Reese will say a word. So, and, and, and even with the word that we're going to say, it's going to be the first thing that comes to mind. So, as today's uh, topic is what is the optimal diet for body composition, I'm going to start with the word optimal. Healthy. Uh, performance. Me? You need to say a word now. Ah, um, fitness competitions. Bikinis. Fitness and figure. Your to topic, Reese. My topic. Uh, Mexican food. <laughs> uh, Taco Bell. Taco Bell, even though it sucks. Not Taco Bell. So, um, it doesn't really suck. Just It's, it's quite old. I'd, I'd say Fonda. Fonda is where I'd get my Mexican food. No, Mexicali food. Rose. I actually, I have never, I went to Fonda once and I, I, I don't know, it just didn't, I don't know, I didn't see well. They're trying to be too form. modern. Yeah. Go, but they, they've changed their menu too many times. Um, I, felt, I felt like they were on a high and now they're like... Mm. No, it's too modern. Who puts yeah, yeah. quinoa in Mexican? That, that's true. Who puts quinoa <laughs> in Mexican? <laughs> Do you use true. quinoa? Not a lot. I have in the past, but not a lot. Yeah. Uh, You're up again. Diet. Hashtag keto. Uh, diet breaks. Uh, short term. If it fits your macros. Uh, no, no, that was short term. For Like you said diet, I said short term. It is short term. Yeah, it is short term. Diet's it's not lifestyle. Short, diet's a short term, absolutely, yes. James Alexander Kelly. Oh, yes. Nice guy. Great soccer player. My favourite pom. You wouldn't know too many poms, though, would you? That's exactly right. That's why it's my favourite Oh, actually, pom. Laura is a pom. No, she's not, actually. She? No, she's, she was born in Belgium, so technically she's not a pom. So I can say my favourite pom because, you know, he's the only pom I know at the moment. Yeah. Best coffee? Oh, uh, on Swan Street, it would be Jason's, who's just uh, across, like, two doors down from us. Uh, first press, cold press. They deserve a shout-out. That's probably it for now because I don't drink much coffee drink very small amounts um i like joe's down the road it's good that's mr joe's isn't it mr joe's yeah Jeez, give a proper plug lane oh joe's still, still called him by name <laughs> is it even a guy that owns it i don't know there's usually a lady in there yeah but you know what yeah, she's, it, she's it, very it, nice. they're like japanese so they're <laughs> certainly not a joe 
Well, I'm not. I'm not picking names for these buildings around Swan Street. It just says it on the door, so just I said it. Just a bit closer. Um, favorite transformation. Uh, well, it's not really transformation. Well, it was mm, actually you go first. Oh, I got a few. Um, He's trying to think all the ones that he has got. Yeah, who's that? <laughs> just staring you up. Who me or him? I got him. a few. I got Sean. I got Kirsten. I got Kate. They're probably the three first ones that come to mind. Uh, transformations for me would be Karim Elbash would definitely be be on there. Uh, he got a pretty amazing result. Um, he, he he competed before and then he competed and I coached him for that next one. And uh, yeah, his, his results were, were outstanding. Like so, so truly you compared, outstanding. Uh, comp prep on the day of his show to his next show. Is that what, you, what you're saying? Like, so uh, you had because like a lot of people say that they gain a lot of weight or they do this they do that but really what's comparable is the same well, the look fat. the look yeah. and actually to be fair i didn't see his prior comp i didn't really have that great a comp prep photos but he basically said he wanted to do a photo with a photo shoot with jason ellis i think his name is and um who's a photographer in the states and was going over there for the wbff you know world championship he did very very well um he didn't win but he did extraordinarily well and just the photos i think that we got back um Good. from the way he looked were were amazing and i mean he did look amazing he was he was shredded man he was shredded he did very well so he'd definitely be up there in terms of one of my favorite transformations because he he looked he came in he, you know he didn't look bad he wasn't a, 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 you know fat or anything he was just an in-shape guy kind he, of thing he's, yeah he's just a regular kind of in-shape guy you know Often the harder transformations where you can only gain like one to 200 grams of muscle mass and per month th almost. That's why for me that one really stands yeah. out is because I was already working with someone who was yeah. pretty good. Like he was pretty good. Um, and to, to have the result that we did with him, I, I think is, it speaks merit for the method that I, that I use. What's your guys' thoughts on aliens? Do you think there's like well, you, you know, You know what's interesting about this? I, was, I heard it actually probably on, a, on another podcast that... Um, octopuses or octopi uh, potentially could be an alien species oh. that because if you look at a, uh, octopuses um, there's nothing else on the planet that resembles an octopus like there, there's no other money that like does what an octopus does in terms of the way because each tentacle can operate with as, as its own tentacle like I think that's fascinating so if you right? chopped it off it would still survive no, because it's dropping off from the source, I believe. But in terms of like each tentacle is uh, almost has a brain. From what I'm understanding, okay. I'm not an expert, right, in octopuses. But that, <laughs> it, it, it is quite, when, I, when you look at an octopus, think about it, it, it does look very unique. But is there an alien species? Well, I mean, I think alien uh, is is really kind of a unique term. But is there like extraterrestrial yeah, that, that, is probably intent. how is there you... anything other than, you know, a human you know, being out there? Yeah, I, I think it's highly probable. Uh, in terms of if you look at the galaxies, but would we ever see them in this lifetime in terms of how fast, uh, you know, we can travel from one star to the other in terms of, you know, solar systems and that kind of stuff. And, you know, alien could actually just mean that there is another, you know, multidimensional or multiverse Earth somewhere and they people look completely like us and they do exactly what we do. And it's just, you know, so who knows? Who knows? We don't know the, the mysteries of, of, of the cosmos. We, we don't. It is fascinating, um, though, isn't it? Absolutely. So, you, so you're not against it, but you're not. I'm not for against it the idea, but I'm not for yeah, the idea. I, I wouldn't neutral. get up and say there's no such thing as aliens, and I wouldn't get up there and say there, there's definitely aliens. I, I'm quite agnostic at this point of, uh, you know, my, my conversations around the interstellar and extraterrestrial. What's your thoughts, Liam? 
I was just thinking about Stranger Things, to be honest. I don't really know what you guys were talking about. Stranger Things just went on, on a Netflix. Bit of a rant for like ten minutes. I, I just I kind of lost it, dropped out. But yeah, Stranger Things on Netflix. I know Reese is into HBO uh, Chernobyl. I still it's haven't all... seen it though. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen you it. You can get it on iTunes. Well, it sounds like an ad now. Like, anyone seen Chernobyl? No, 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 no I, I tried to get it on Foxtel and I did the whole subscription thing for 30 days, but I still couldn't get access. So they, <laughs> they jibbed me. Really? Hey, so, so one word, back to the one word game, hey. What's your favorite exercise? Uh, my favorite exercise at the moment is definitely the hack squat. Um, I just absolutely love it. Uh, bench press and, and barbell squats. I can't pick one. Why, why bench press? Is it because you bench with me these days? Oh, it's, it's definitely part of it. It's just something that I feel like I'm making good progress at and yeah, I'm enjoying it at the moment and, and squats Who is as well. the better bench press out of the three of us? That should be oh. a question. What do you mean, who why is the better? Do, why don't we do like, this? Why this is even a conversation. Like yeah. Mate, I've got <laughs> the perfect levers not... for it. I just think I'm good yeah, at it. And you still suck. Sorry, what's your best bench press? Like one. Yeah, what is it? It's not very much. It's not nothing to I write home about. One. 2130 before. Yeah, he doesn't even know. Oh, no, I bench 120. Look, man, on a bench press, there's a big difference between 120 and 130. I and when you, you bench 130, you know. Yeah, you know. Like, oh, I benched 130. I'll bench That's what you say. I for 15 reps. Yeah, but we didn't ask reps. This isn't a rep competition. Well, if I'm working out my 1RM, it jumps up by like 200%. So I'd probably be benching 180. Well. No, there's a different... I mean, the people who are like, well, I can bench 100 for 10, therefore I can bench 150. That just doesn't... The, the maths on that is not... Yeah, I know. Gr like, you know, it's different beast benching 150 than it is 100 reps. At, I know. Uh, you know. So, yeah. At the moment, I'm actually uh, quite enjoying deadlifts. Yeah. So yours is deadlifts. Sorry? Yours is deadlifts. That's your exercise. Yeah, at the moment, benching deads, I'd have to say, is... is Least favorite exercise then? Good mornings, fucking hate them. <laughs> Why do you hate them? Because they're uncomfortable. Um, I don't really connect with them that well. Do you have them in your program at the moment? I do have them. I use a, use a safety bar squat. And um, I've just, I've tried a few different ways to make them uh, like, f I don't know, fun is the Have you tried wide stands? Yeah, I, I've tried so many things with my good mornings and I don't know, I just suck at them. It's just a time thing, but You're I just- It just feels really loose, doesn't it? I, feel? I, don't, I don't like, it makes me feel vulnerable. And that's probably why I need to do more of them, but especially even with the safety bar. Is I'm it when Liam stands behind you when you're doing them? Is, <laughs> is that the issue? That is the issue. That is the issue. What about you, Liam? Um, I don't think I have a, a Just love everything. Yeah, I don't know. It's because yeah, he doesn't I'm, really train that much. I'm trying much. to think about it. <laughs> thinking back to the last if time he actually, trained. Yeah, it was a couple of months ago. <laughs> no, he does train. Um, just not hard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think just how's the breathing what, going? What's an exercise you see people do that you like? That's just a stupid exercise. Don't Last time you, you walked into a gym and you're just like, I hate when I don't know why, but I just hate when I see things done like just. So it's how it's done that bothers like, you. Yeah, like I saw I was at another gym. I don't know when it was, and I saw this old lady with her personal trainer on one of those half bosa balls doing squats, but not mm. full squats. Just stuff like that really annoys me. So it's just me. Like, like insulting on so many levels. Yeah. And it's like you're with a personal trainer, you're on a BOSU ball and you're doing half squats. And the guy like had a, like a Paul Check jumper on and I was like, nah. Did he really? Yeah. And I was mm. like, mm. And this poor girl like, 
her feet were they just she just wasn't structurally strong enough to be doing that just things like that i just yeah i i think like personal training is very saturated it's actually very hard to be good at it and i just think it's yeah the, the funniest thing i've ever seen in a gym is the gym manager checking how heavy the bands are or how much resistance they provide by, <laughs> by standing on the scales with the band under his feet and pulling on it to see how much it would reduce his weight. What? So just try to figure that out. What? And he said, uh, really? Yeah, true story. Wow. Where was, which shit was in Perth? Let's not name names. Let's not name names. That's a good, that's a good thing. Let's not name names. Wow. That's, um, that's some next level shit. Next level shit. Have you ever wondered how much resistance those <laughs> bands give you? They say on it, don't they? Some of them say on yeah, it. Well, yeah, you can look it up and like yeah. find, but you know, they, they listen like Iron Edge, look up the bands. It says, you know, whatever pressure and blah, blah, blah. Favorite program at the moment? Ooh. Depends on the client. That's a tough one. What are you running with at the moment for your clients? Generally, you work in patterns. You're kind of using what's yeah. working. He does run in patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Good old pattern patch reset Adams. Pattern your, man. Your this guy's been in a program for years. <laughs> <laughs> hey Tyler, write me a program. Yes, boss. I really like descending reps. It just feels nice. Whenever I do yeah, descending reps, nice. I always injure myself. I much prefer descending reps. Yeah, well that makes sense. Because you get more tired, you've lifted heavier, yeah. and then yeah, um, I like a lot of like my go-to's um, depending on whether it's strength, bodybuilding, or hypertrophy or fat loss. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a few of my favorites. Like if it's kind of a, a general mid-tier intermediate kind of client, say who wants to build a little bit of mass, wants to get a bit stronger, I do like seven five three seven five three wave loading. I, I really find that kind of is a almost a, a power a body a power building kind of program, which hits kind of strength and bodybuilding. And for guys who are reasonably strong and they're gonna they need to lift heavy weight but they also need to train like a bodybuilder uh, my go-to is 753 wave load for that um i mean really i like to keep things simple i, I do like the, the german body uh, comp but the more advanced version which is where you periodize f like 10 days of five reps 10 days of four reps 10 days of three reps yeah. then you go back to 10 days of five reps 10 days of four reps, 10 days of three reps as a system. And I've, I've altered that system over time, a bunch of times and do um, like three. So there's six days in a, in a cycle. Um, and the way it works is you have uh, program A, chest and back, program A, legs, program A, arms. And then you have program B, chest and back, program B, legs, program B, arms. And basically the way I do it is that, let's say for example, we train A is back squat, B would be front squat. So then we might train legs twice a week, but um, on, on the given 10 day cycle, but you're, by the time you've done the high bar, like you, you actually can train quite heavy on the, on the front squat, for example. So I really like that. And you know, I'm gonna give a shout out to Gus Cook, uh, who's doing my programming personally at the moment. He, he's kept it like from a powerlifting perspective, he's keeping it quite interesting for me. And um, you know, I definitely feel good with his uh, structure of, of the way he's puts things together. It's quite, quite a, a not I'm gonna say different, but it's just, it's, it's a sound way. So I like his system too. What's your sign? Um, I kind of like count, calculating the maximum volume and basically working up to a high volume through weaker muscle groups. Um, so I kind of, what I'm, what I'm trialing at the moment uh, that I like is uh, like 
say I'm looking at a bikini competitor, um, not general pop, so I'll look at their, what do they need to improve on? So uh, say their legs, hams, quads, and I'll basically build up on their reps um, using whole body workouts where I kind of really focus on the, the, the legs. Because what I find is with a lot of people that train hard, um, they can't do an hour and 20, an hour 30 of solid legs. There's always, uh, they start off really well, they start off smashing their barbell squats by the end of it, uh, their leg workouts aren't as good. So I've uh, been trialing that at the moment. It's And I, I usually train the, every muscle group three to five times. A week? Yeah, yeah. But it's not like a full leg sesh, for example. You're just basing it off tonnage? Yeah. yeah. And lots and lots of volume? Yeah. You're almost, where did you get this system from? Um, uh, a few people kind of use this system, but like Mike Isretel, um, a few of these big hypertrophy guys, um, and I've kind of just dulled it down a little bit, made it really simple. Yeah, I try not to change the exercises too much, providing they're still progressing. Um, and I'll basically run hypertrophy for about four weeks, and then I'll start to bring in strength phases until I'm ready to go with hypertrophy. But you're not really you're not really using enough load to damage the muscle in in create a response. I mean, what what is the reps on that? Well. If you have a look at, say, well, I do a different range, uh, rep range. So I'll be from like eight, to, uh, six to eight to maybe twenty throughout the week. Um, and basically, what I was what I was doing originally was kind of like, say, if I trained legs three days a week, there'd be maybe like eighty to ninety sets. Um, this way, I can build the sets up without getting them too fatigued. So I can build the sets up to like. So then, from this, you'd go back into a more hardcore kind of bodybuilding program yeah this is more this is this is not for your general pop client that wants to get strong which is 90 percent of people but that's just what i'm liking personally right yeah. so you'd use it as a, as a pre-phase to getting them to be uh be able to handle more volume is what you're saying yes yeah right. yeah I'm, I'm basically building them up to be able to handle more yeah right uh, I, I love how the one word game turned into just a conversation Discussion. around yeah. things. It's always the way. Can you well, just cut our old word game and put it on top of this? <laughs> we could. That was good. If you haven't seen that, that's a, that's a good clip where we did the one word game. Well, gentlemen, uh, are there any thoughts, things you want to share, final thoughts? No. Reese is good. Liam's no, out. Good. Well, I probably think this is a good place to, to wrap things up and leave it. Thank you. Thank you for watching. Uh, if you've made it this far, it's been our honor to entertain and educate you for this past 90 minutes. If you are watching this on YouTube, do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed it, share it. Be, do, be, a, be a buddy, be a mate, be, a, uh, be an awesome person who's watching this and uh, share it on all things that are social media. Uh, you can follow Liam at... Liam Fitz, Liam underscore Fitz on Instagram. And you can follow Reese at... Reesey Boy on Instagram. Isn't it like Reese spelled with three though? Yeah, there's three threes. Oh, so spell Reese with a page. three. Yeah, yeah, that's probably <laughs> the easiest way. And I'm on Instagram at, at Mark Atobri, so you can follow me and also follow Enterprise Fitness while you're at it. And um, yeah, as I said, share it if you've enjoyed this, subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, do leave us a review. They go a long way and it's much, much, much appreciated. We... we do look forward to sharing this content with you and having you a part of our audience. Uh, and uh, finally, I think there is a finally. Is there a finally? I don't have anything else to say, I don't think, on this topic. Uh, no, no. Cheers. Cheers. Well, until next time, folks, train hard, supplement smart, and eat well.